Hello, and welcome to this episode of a Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall, and I have a quick question before we hop on over to the episode. Did you know that many physicians are overpaying taxes due to not leveraging their corporation effectively? I've seen cases where a physician is on track to lose out on millions of dollars in retirement because they're not using their corporation effectively. And if you are unsure, if you are making the most of the unique entity that is the professional corporation, creating a plan with me and my team of corporate planning experts might be a good move. If you're interested in a plan that shows you how to make the most of your corporation, save on taxes, secure your legacy, and create a thriving retirement, we can create a personalized, powerful plan for you for a flat fee with no hidden commissions, and there is no obligation for you to buy any products from us. If you want to know more, head on over to galenhelpsdocs.com. That's G-A-L-E-N helpsdocs.com. Read up on what it covers and click on the book a call button to book a free call to explore whether a custom flat fee plan is a good fit for you. And now on with the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Clean Bill of Wealth Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Galen Nuttall. And today I am joined by Sonny Wishart, who is a fee-only financial planner, who uh, is a zero-judgment financial planner who rolls up her sleeves and digs deep into real money talk and talks about the unmentionable, which is what we're going to talk about today. So welcome to the podcast, Sonny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. And is there anything about your intro, anything else we should know about you before we uh, kick off this episode other than the zero judgment financial planner? I'm a lot of fun to work with. Yes, I've (laughs) I've heard this. I've heard this from outside sources, verified third party. (laughs) Yeah, very cool. Yeah, no, we've had some great fun conversations leading up to this interview. So I totally believe it. Awesome. Now, um, what I'd love to start off with is so really like what it is that you do that has an impact in the lives of your clients. And like, I know you do things a bit differently than other advisors, but like, I'd love to start with like, what is it, where is it that you fit in and what impact do you have? And then we can kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, of course I do the holistic financial planning thing, but my very, very favorite thing to do is, you know, one of the cornerstones called cash flow management and to just drill down on that. And I know that's like a kind of a techie word, but, you know, dealing with these families who don't have, um, or working with them, a finger on the pulse of the money coming in and the money going out and how to be strategic about it all. So I get to sit down with a lot of young families and, uh, like I say, roll up the sleeves. Mm -hmm. We're looking at everything. We're going to, um, work together. And there's often a lot of what I, I say shame mm-hmm. around money mm-hmm. and I like to just unveil all that and lift people up be like, first of all, you reached out to a financial professional. That's an amazing step one. Now let's lift the shame you have around your money that oftentimes is unwarranted. A lot of times when I sit down and look at everything, I'm like, you're okay. Mm-hmm. You just didn't understand what was happening. So you just chose, you, you're worried and you feel shameful about it. But now I'm looking at it, you're okay. So that's my favorite thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, it's really good. I think it's good to address that shame because I think whether people, um, quote unquote, admit it or not, like they're everyone, every, almost everyone I meet has some level of, uh, you know, whether it's shame or like self judgment or um, sort of like a, is everyone else doing better than me? 
Like, am I the only one that's not doing it right? Right. Like everyone else looks like they have it all together or everyone else is buying things and doing things with their money. And I feel like I can't. So yeah. And I, I mean, it always reminds me of this one. It was a client that I, a friend of mine, good friend of mine who became a client um, years after I'd started as an advisor. And she said to me, Galen, I'd rather walk down the street naked than let someone look at my bank account or look at my, <laughs> uh, look at my credit card statement. And I was like, wow. I was like, you really hit it. Like, I think a lot of people feel that way, but they don't admit it. And so I love that. You, it sounds like you create a real great like space for people to be comfortable talking about what they're concerned about. I think it's important for me to, I like all my clients, they're like my friends. I think you feel the same way mm-hmm. it, it, because they have to trust you. And, and I had, you know, I'm, I, for me to get the information I need to do good work for you, I need to hear all your feelings, all the feels, you know, if keeping up with the Joneses is important to you, well, tell me that. Let's talk about that. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's look at that in your plan and in your cash flow instead of shoving that shame around wanting to do that down and then ruining your plan and ruining your plan because we didn't get to have a great conversation about it. So lifting people up is a whole lot of fun and I get a lot mm. more intel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that idea of lifting people up. And and like you said, it is true. Like, I feel like a lot of people are in a, you know, I'm not, I'm not like categorically saying this, but a lot of people are better off than they think they are. Or at least taking the action to talk to someone like you is a critical action that a lot of people aren't willing to take. Um, mm-hmm. cause like you said, like it does involve some level of like opening up, like either about personal things around money or, uh, you know, the, the information about the bank account, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, so if you can approach it in a way that's lifting people up, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I've been even today sending out some notes to clients cause they're worried the rates are going up and things mm. are going up and they're like, should I be paying this mortgage down? And it's just like, okay, step one. You're a young family in your first home with young kids. Mm. These are one of the most expensive years of your life. Let's let's save the heroics for later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a really good. I think that's what a good planner brings to the table too. Is that um, like that horizon of because like we I think people can get very like focused and myopic and like oh my gosh this is what I'm dealing with today which is obviously very important. But it's also like, how does the, how do the, how do my decisions, how are my decisions today going to affect the next few decades of my life? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Just have that chat with them and make them feel better that this isn't forever. This is now. Um, And your kids are going to grow up and off they go and you're going to be sailing. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I, it's, that's very fascinating because a lot of people just don't believe it. They're like, I can't believe I'll ever get out of this <laughs> this <laughs> spot in my life where I just feel like I owe a ton of money. And I, cause like, I mean, we talked about before I hit record, like I work with a lot of physicians and a lot of them leave, you know, they start making money and they still have 200 plus thousand dollars of debt. And they've had that debt for a long time. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is never going away. And like, every time I meet with them, I'm like, it's, this is not forever. Like, you will not have this forever. And uh, it takes years sometimes, but then they're like, oh yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> like, this isn't forever. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, for sure. And now, one of the things, so what I believe to be one of the longest four-letter words in finance is budgeting. Um, how big of a, uh, how do you approach budgeting, if at all, when it comes to cash flow? Like, what's, how does it work? Because like, I will admit that I don't, 
do a lot of budgeting. Um, it's not like you, you focus on one of the quadrants that I don't, I do, I, I use it in planning the cash flow. Like I need to know people's cash flow, mm-hmm. but I don't do a lot with the cash flow with people. So I'd be very curious to know a bit more about like what you do with that. Mm-hmm. I find, um, and again, with young families, they're in these, this new territory of merging household incomes, uh, um, debt together, everything's together. And then they got the kids and stuff like that. So it's like, you just want to drill down on managing the cash flow now as a family unit, because it's different than maybe what you're accustomed to before, mm. but I, or anybody who wants to look at cash flow. So I would just sit there and, um, I will literally collect three month statements from you and go itemize it, categorize it and just separate it out and help demystify it or show you how to do that on your own. I've got some sheets and just say like, these are your fixed expenses. This is your shelter costs and transit costs. Just shove those over here. These are your variable expenses. I do find in today's world and I, the pandemic's made it even worse, mm. but we um, tapping Oh it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so easy, but it it creates a mental burden because you can't tr- you can't mentally account for all those taps, right? Mm. So all of a sudden the credit card bill comes in and you don't know what happened or even things like Amazon and stuff like that just add to cart, submit, mm. shows up at your door. It's a wonderful thing. So I like to just say like look historically Let's start looking historically at what you spend because that is your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, we get stuck in these ruts of building cash flow from the bottom up where it's mm-hmm. like, well, I need this for mortgage and this for property tax. And then you forget all the other little things that you tap for or whatnot. So if we look historically, that's your true picture of what your cash flow needs are. And if you don't feel like doing that, I'll do it. <laughs> Yeah, I so I, I can't stress enough how brilliant that approach is. Um, because my own experience was before I became a financial advisor, I met with one and he's like, Okay, you need to go home. Like basically, he's like, What are your goals? It's like, oh, we want to retire at this point, we want to pay off our mortgage at this point, we want to send our kids to these schools, da 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 da. He's like, Great, I'm gonna map all that out, like what you have to put away to achieve that goal, and we need to look at your cash flow, budget, whatever. He's like, Go home and fill out the spreadsheet of what you spend on different things. So we mm-hmm. did that. And then he's like, come back when you're done and we'll put together a plan. So we did that. But then we had, we're like, okay, yeah, we, we've got an extra 500 bucks a month kicking around. Like, let's put that towards all these different things, you know, to start. And then that month we needed new winter tires. So we're like, oh, we're like, yeah, we don't have that extra 500 bucks anymore. And then we're like the next month, we're like, okay, this month we're going to have that extra money. And then boom, something else happened. And we were like, oh. Yeah. And so we never went back. We were like, we're like, we're, I mean, I think we finally went back at some point, but like there was this element of like, yeah, like what do we do now? Like we really, we really felt like there was nowhere to go from there. But I like, so just the reason I'm sharing this is because the idea of working with history is like better than that ground up. That ground up approach is very daunting in my opinion, like that, I'm going to like fill all this out from like, but like saying like, Hey, just give me three months worth of statements. And I'm going to tell you what your cash flow really looks like. I love it. And the ground up, um, it's easy to pull holes into because Absolutely. a lot of people get stuck in what they wish they were spending. And they're like, Oh, I only spend this much on haircuts and clothes and whatever, whatever your vice is. Everyone has a vice. Just, just yeah. say it out loud. <laughs> And let's just put it in the plan and move on. But so the ground up, we can end up 
you omit things. And of course, and then I get, if I get the historical statements, it's one off. Oh, it was my kid's birthday. That was a different month. Mm-hmm. Oh, the pet got sick. It was a different, oh, every month is a different month for yeah. XYZ reason. The more overhead you have, the more likely there's going to be a one-off month, like the house, pets, cars, yes. kids, cottage. It's, it's more, more, more. Um, so like an exercise I like to do is sit down and be like, well, wh- what do you think a summer costs you? You know, once your kids are in camp or you do the trip to Wonderland, like you don't sit down and look at it. Cash flow isn't month in, month out. It's the new winter tires and mm-hmm. a fun family day and 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 to know that it's okay to do those things and don't put them on the credit card and hope it comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give yourself permission for this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that one of the other reasons why I don't spend I mean, one of the reasons why like I know that whatever approach I have towards budgeting is not like the best one is because um, you know, really I feel like people get stuck sometimes. I'll meet yeah. people and they'll be like, Oh, I can't do anything with my money until I get a hold of my budget or I get like I I figure out my budget or I figure out my cash flow. And a lot of times I'll say to people, Great, go figure that out and then come back. And they usually don't come back, just like my own story of like I went off to figure it out and I didn't come back. But the other thing I look at is like a lot of people think they have to have that all quote unquote figured out before they make a step forward. And I try to talk to you about how like that doesn't your cash flow doesn't have to look perfect to then start. So like what is your experience with with that? Absolutely. I, I liken it to um diet and exercise. So cash flow and dieting, mm-hmm. say. I know diet's a bad word, but <laughs> you know, all week long you eat the salad. <laughs> and then all weekend you eat the takeout. But on Monday you start eating the salad again. <laughs> so cash flow is not so different where it's okay. You can be great all week and then you can go to the movies or whatever, like having that bit of flex. Um, that's okay. Just get back on the wagon on Monday. It's when you do all the things all the time and it's five years later and everything's in the red that you're, that's when you get into trouble when you let that go too long. So it's just getting back on the wagon and getting back on the wagon persistently and don't give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. And like, um, yeah, I like that analogy of like uh, diet and cash flow of like, you know, what does it look like to be sort of um, managing it and then sort of splurging? You know, what does that look like? And I mean, you did touch on this. and I'd love to talk a bit more about it where you said two things. One is like everyone's got a vice or like if part of what's going on for you is like keeping up with the Joneses. Like I find it very important to uncover to find a way to look at like those underlying desires beyond you know, sometimes people say, well, I want to retire at this age or I want my retirement to look like X, Y, Z. And I usually ask a few extra questions to figure out like why or like, what is that? Like, how did that come to be this desire? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it just like the default? Cause everyone says 65 sounds good or 60 sounds good or whatever sounds good. Or is there other something behind it that's worth uncovering a bit? So like, I'm very interested to hear from a cash flow perspective of like, what are you, what do you look at of like helping people have some like level of self discovery around what they're doing? That's where the historical analysis comes in super handy. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, how many times I, I sit there with these transactions and I get them from all products and I'll start seeing like a theme usually 
Um, and I can look, sometimes I won't know what this store is, but you just see a same amount, same store on this ring or something. And, <laughs> it, it, and it, it's, it's, it's part detective really when you're doing this stuff. Sometimes I have to Google the store, like what does this store sell? Oh, it's a weed store. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Like it's just to look at it and say, okay, X amount of dollars a month is going to this store or this product that is important to you, whether it's the nail salon or Starbucks, whatever, but it's proven historically to be an important place for you to go. So, and, and it doesn't get brought up. No one talks about it, um, but it's okay. So look at those, pair that or pair that uh, amount out and include it. That's mm. all. Because I, I've seen some vices that are, so expensive each month that if I didn't take that transaction out or add them all up and take them out and include it in the forward going forward budget, their plan would be compromised. Mm. And that retirement trajectory is void because mm. that's, you know, yeah, so much money each month. So to just say, this is what it is. If they choose to spend less on that, that's their choice, but I don't want anyone to feel guilty about it. I just mm-hmm. want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally like looking at myself and I'm like, what is the thing that we do? And I bet there's a pattern of us eating out um, certain times of the week. No doubt about it. Like I'm thinking like, you know, Saturday afternoons and like Thursday lunch, which, you know, like I just can I can feel it like in my brain. Like I know that these are the times when we are at our like weakest and we don't feel like cooking and we just Mm -hmm. go out and have like a meal now. And I love what you're saying about like account for it. like. Because I think one way to go about it is say, well, we're going to stop doing that because we shouldn't do it. But it's like, if you've done it for the last three months, you're probably not going to stop, or like, unless you actually do some real work on this. Um, so that's one approach, right? Like, oh, I shouldn't do this, so don't worry about it. Take it out of the budget. And then you're saying, like, well, actually account for it because otherwise, you know, it's, it, are you, is this pattern actually going to change? And then so, like, what that leads me to asking, because, like, to look at what I what I really don't like about budgeting is like i feel like you can't like when i hear the word all i think of is like restriction Mm -hmm. like scarcity i think that's it for me the biggest thing is like i feel like and this is going to sound kind of jerky but like i shouldn't have to budget like i think that's Mm -hmm. what pops into my head like i shouldn't have to budget i shouldn't i shouldn't be forced to do this like i'm not a student anymore i'm not a you know i don't know like there's this element of like i shouldn't have to do this even though it probably makes sense for me to do it but like how do you how do you look at that <laughs> like i'm sure you've heard it all from people but... oh and i've heard that many times you are yeah. not alone on that feeling that because because we put a belief system behind the word budget yeah. yeah so we believe it means don't eat it get aggressive with paying down your debt, get aggressive with paying, saving into your long-term projections, forget about your life today. It's dead to you. And it's not fair. It's not true. I a hundred percent believe in balance. You can accomplish your goals. They're just some of them might be a little slower, but you live today and you get to enjoy today. And that's Mm -hmm. way more important than hoping you live tomorrow (laughs) to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Yes. You know, if you've got the young family and vacations are important to you, or if you're, you know, a, a lot of people have things that matter to them, like all the fancy gym memberships or whatever. Great. Good. That's a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, And don't feel bad about it. But we take that word budget. Yeah. And it's like, it's just saying a bad word. Yeah. 
And to me, I I feel like "Mm, I don't want you to feel bad and I want you to continue on your route you're going and I'm going to paint the picture on the route that you're going. If it doesn't look good, I'm happy to provide you with your options for change, but they do not require you to quit everything altogether. You just might have to make some changes. Yeah. And if you're not willing to make those, well, this is the path that you're on on the current route. And sometimes they're fine. Like, you know, I'll sit with a, a young couple and they're thinking of having a family or something in, in the near future and everything looks amazing and they don't think they can afford mat leave. I'm like, yeah, you're okay. Yeah. Do it. If you want to yeah. do it, do it. Don't let money be the reason you don't start. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, one of the things, yeah, I like that of, of like, what's, what's the meaning we attach to the word budgeting or the process of looking at our cash flow. And I think like one of the things I will say though, is like what I've, what I've come to do instead of what I, what I was probably taught, like what I was taught when I started was like, this is, this is what you have to do. You have to make people sit down. They have to fill out this form. And then until they do that, you can't really move forward. But what I do instead is what I call reverse budgeting, which is, you know, yes, we look at people's cash flow, but I also look at, you tell me where you want to go. I'm going to backtrack it to what it's going to take to get there. And any money that you like, you know, let's say it's going to take whatever it is, 30% of your income to get where you want to go, do whatever you need to do with the other 70%. Like, cause I know that if you do these things, you're going to be okay. And so for a lot of my clients that actually works pretty well, where they're just like, Hey Galen. And one of my first clients did tell me like, Galen, I'm not going to do a budget exercise. He's like, you just tell me what I need to put away to get to this goal of retiring at this age with this much money and I'll do it. And I said, okay, cool. So that's what I did. And that's what I do with most of my clients at the end of the day, as I focus on the things they need to be doing to get where they want to go. And then like the rest, what's left over, like you can spend it. Like I know some of it needs to go to mortgage. Some of it needs to go to car and some of it's going to go to the other things that you want to do in life. So I thought it's worth pointing out, like that's mm-hmm. the approach I've taken on just because like the other, like the, the in-depth side of things hasn't been as fun for me so, or like as productive. So I've kind of taken the opposite, like not the opposite, but like just reverse budgeting is what I call it. So what you've done is, and I'm going to use like a buzzword here, but you've just said, this is your goal. This is how to get there. And you need to do this. And then the client takes that away and they manifest that. Mm. They're like, I'm going to do this to get to the goal and everything else. They're manifesting everything else working around it. Yeah. And why not? It you know it could it would work. Say hey, yeah. and then if and if anything happens, you can make changes. You go. I yep. always say plans are living things. Oh yeah, you're so much alive. So if you need to scale back the savings, or you can increase the savings, but just start now and yeah. try it. It doesn't mean I think we talked about this before about like planning and budgeting. It doesn't mean it's forever. It's yeah. just try it now. Yeah. Like I ask people to try things for three months at least mm. and then go on. And it still circles back to that whole diet and exercise thing. Just try <laughs> it for three months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I know I like that manifest, like, like bringing that word up. I, you know, there is something to that because a lot of people before they meet with someone like you is they just have no clue. Like a lot of people, and this is, I'll, I'll just talk about myself. Like before I met with a financial advisor, before I became one, I had read a bunch of books and I had a bunch of what I call water cooler conversations of friends of like, Oh, you need to do this or you need to do that or whatever. Or this is the percentage of, you know, some of the silly things. Like I can't even remember what it is, but it's like a hundred minus your age is how much you should have in bonds versus equities or something 
completely ridiculous. Like these are the kinds of things I learned before I became an advisor. Anyway, so when I got to an advisor, I had no clue like whether I'm on track or what I should be doing, TFSA, RSP, life insurance, blah, 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 like none of it, right? And so like I think that it's um like it's it's worth like noting that like then when people talk to someone like you and like start organizing these thoughts or start like having an idea of where they're headed, we can use the word manifest, which I think is a totally appropriate word, but it's like that energy towards okay what do I want my life to look like and what is it going to take to get there? Because when people don't have that goal or don't even have any sort of a road path roadmap to get there, it's all in all likelihood, they're just not going to do the things they need to do to get there. That's, it, it won't change. It'll say stagnant. Yeah. And sometimes just taking that leap is a growth, a leap of growth, you know, just give it a whirl. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I like it. And then, um, so when it comes to, so here's a question I have is so years ago my wife and i we moved to canada uh we tried to like we talked to a lot of people like what's your cash flow look like what do things cost because we moved from south america to canada owned our had our first mortgage like completely new situation for us right and really we found ourselves in a place where we felt like we just had zero extra money ever (laughs) like taxes were much higher than we thought they'd be Every season that rolled around, we had to buy new stuff for the house. It's like, oh, now we need hoses. Now we need a lawnmower. Now we need a snowblower. Now we need a this. Now we need winter tires. Like the first year. Yeah, the first year was brutal because it was like we moved from the tropics to Canada. And so it's like, wow, every season we need clothes and this and that. and coats. Yeah, two kids. It was just nuts. So like what what do you then like that? And I'm very curious to know this because at the time, my wife and I just felt very stuck. Um, you know, maybe we'd ended up buying a house that was a bit bigger than we needed. We'd taken on a mortgage that was a bit bigger than we needed. Um, you know, our cash flow wasn't really support. We were, we really did feel like we were month to month, like consistently for quite a while there. Um, like where, where do you start with people who are in that situation? Like what, what do you do? Um, I start with gaining an understanding of where the money is going and of what you're going to need. So, you know, if you're going to need to buy your kids new clothes and, and usually I have a rough idea anyways, it's just from seeing mm-hmm. how, how things roll, what you're going to need. So we, so I, I start with simplifying. So a lot of times um, I can't tell you how many times someone has said to me, Oh, I opened all this account when I was 18 in university and I just used it. I don't know why. Because it's just there's there's it's, mm-hmm. it's stuck in it. It's comfortable. It's familiar. And change is is hard. Mm-hmm. So then, when they merge households or whatever, you that account may no longer be applicable. And then all of a sudden, you've got five bank accounts, and you've got bills coming out across the board. You're e-transferring across the board. There is no way you're going to get cash flow under control. If you're looking at between, you know, three or four bank accounts and two or three credit card transactions, it's a, it's too overwhelming. Nobody mm. wants to do that. Nobody is going to do that. You don't know where it's going. You're not going to have any idea. So I do start with simplifying. Um, I'm a big stickler about fees. So if you're paying all kinds of bank fees for all kinds of accounts you don't need, we're going to have a good talk about let's streamline all the in and out from one account. Mm. Tidy this up. Um, 
and, and see how some people get a little comfy about it. And that's okay. We can work from there. But I like to reduce fees as much as possible. If you have a high interest rate credit card and you're carrying a balance, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about flipping that to a lower rate card. Um just come up with some options just to just save that little bit where you can first and simplify. So streamline the in and out from as few accounts as possible. And then once that's figured out, we separate out the fixed and variable. But I have my own way of doing fixed and variable. Back in the day, fixed was, you know, things you really need to not die. (laughs) Uh, But these days, fixed is a lot of things you really need. Like you need internet at home. Internet is not a variable. We need it. we have, you know, to, you want to watch TV. That's like an entertainment, but people deserve to have a subscription to something. So I consider those fixed. Anything that's the same amount coming out every month, that's, that's a fixed. And then just go, I know that I need $3,000 a month to pay my mortgage, taxes, bills, subscriptions, car payment, insurances, anything that comes out every month. Then variable everything else that's what i get people to just don't pay any attention to that other stuff unless your you know your water bill comes in at three thousand dollars maybe one on the eyes but everything else is pretty much steady so just look at the variable stuff and try to use one account for all the variable stuff so you know just if you're out there spending use one credit card and at the end of the month that credit card bill is what you spend on stuff It's all about simplifying because it's too hard to track, track, track. Like keep receipts, log every transaction. I, I don't do it. I can't do it. It's too much. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, no, I love that because that simplification definitely. um, I think that you know certainly I go through phases where I've got like right now I've got like three more credit cards than I normally have because I opened up new credit cards for points and I'm like, I had these big purchases and I'm going to slap them on these credit cards. And I know that I can't, I'm not going to keep these cards forever because it's just not going to make sense. Like I need to get rid of them. But also like what I'm hearing is like, yeah, like you get those accounts growing up and you just kind of keep them. You don't really notice. And then, um, yeah, when you've got too many accounts, too many cards, too many, anything, it's just too hard, um, to keep track of it all. And like, I can totally see the value in streamlining, um, to like one spot, like my wife and I did that a while back. Um, um, definitely change things a lot and we use different software to track so that we can run reports and things like that, which makes life a lot easier. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. It does. It does. Especially when you're, you know, one household, well, you're all working towards a common goal. Your goal is to pay your bills and to retire someday. So yeah. we try to keep it neat and tidy and to just get those fees down and, like credit cards are a powerful tool if they're used responsibly, right? Mm-hmm. So they can be like points. Yeah. I love my points. Good stuff. Yeah. Points are nice. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing I wanted to ask about is um, that you did bring up earlier on that I haven't really talked about uh, recently. And I'm realizing it's a bit of a missing is I have not talked about inflation much um, with uh, people, which is obviously a top of mind thing as we're recording this. Um 
inflation uh, interest rates are being hiked in ways that they haven't been hiked in a very long time uh and the cost of things is going up in a way that has not gone happened in a while so i'd be curious as to like how that's fitting into the conversations you're having with people like you, you did mention like some people are starting to worry maybe a little bit more about their debt like oh my gosh like what am i going to do now but like mm-hmm. kind of curious as to like how it's showing up in your conversations with uh with clients it's a tough one because yeah. it, I think the predominant concern I'm seeing is mortgage rates because young families have the biggest mortgages, yeah. right? So, or young people have the biggest mortgages. So that's where I see the most fear, uh, putting food on the table and picking up gas and stuff. People don't seem like it's it's not great, yeah, but it stings, they but... seem okay with that for now, right. but it's, it's the, you know, my rate's gone up this much or I'm up for renewal and mm. my rate, my payment's going up this much. That's a giant chunk out of your household. Like, you know, like 800 bucks a month is the swing we've seen this year. Mortgage mm. payments, depending on the size of your mortgage, it's huge. Yeah. So it's all about updating cash flow. Like, don't ignore it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> It's like beg people, like, don't ignore these changes because then all of a sudden I say it's it's how it kind of gets away from you a little. And the next thing you know, you can't like shoveling out of it gets harder. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a good point. Like, and I like what you said, like you, you actually have the number of like the $800 swing and like, you know, obviously depending on the rate and the size of the mortgage and all those things. But like, I had a client reach out to me and she's like, oh my gosh, Kaylin, like she just bought a home not that long ago. So, I mean, I definitely feel for anyone who you know, was sort of their hands were tied. They had to buy when the market was hot and they did get good mortgage rates, but now those mortgage rates are rapidly, you know, potentially changing. Um, So she was like, should I change? Should I break? Should I lock in? What should I do? And one of the things I told her to do was just go to your mortgage provider and actually ask them to run a scenario of what's it going to look like with under different rate assumptions. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people just hear the number and they think, oh man, it sounds bad, Like, but without actually looking at what the real day-to-day impact is going to be. So that was what I told her. I said, go and talk, have them run the scenarios for you of how much, what, what, how is your mortgage going to change to then mm-hmm. look at, do you need to actually take action or is this something that you you know, simply have to put into uh, the cash flow? That's another missing link when it comes to something like that, like with a big mortgage is the type of mortgage they get is a, is a risk tolerance. Uh, chat that is not being had. Um, And these variable mortgages are very like, there's a risk they could go up and go, of course a risk they could go down. (laughs) Sorry. um, (laughs) And and, and can you stomach that? And I, I'll Mm. never forget, you know, my banking days when I was in the branch life and I was the 0809 crash. Mm. And I had some, I was in the East coast and there was an older couple and they, the, the gentleman had started heart medication because he just, they got into a product that oh he couldn't stomach. And now he's, and they were, you know, she's in tears and I just, Holy, this is a, this is, I would never, you know, hopefully never do this yeah. to anyone, but you know, it made him so sick. Mm. Because it was just such a such a tank and such a problem. And anyway, it's to have these risk conversations about the mortgages so that when they do go up, um, they're not panicked. Because it's the thing with the prime rate, it goes up, it goes down, it goes down too. So it's just, yeah. you know. 
Yeah, well, I remember that risk. I vaguely remember that risk conversation. So, like I said, uh, when we moved to Canada, we got our first mortgage and then we went through some conversation and we kind of were like, oh, this is the mortgage we want, da da da. And then they asked us a few questions and they're like, oh, uh, if you answer them that way, you can't get the mortgage that you are asking for. So, we kind of have to answer it different or else you can't get it. And we're like, okay, we'll just answer it different then. I mean, thankfully, this was 2010. So, like, we locked in our mortgage very low and it stayed very low for, Thankfully, I mean, you know, we lucked out. It wasn't like some master scheme on our part. Like we just happened to get a mortgage in 2010 and, you know, keep the same rate practically for 12 years or so. So certainly, the yeah. Bulk of our, yeah, we lucked out. But I do remember that conversation. And then actually when we went to, um, we sold a house, we bought a new house, we ported our mortgage, we combined mortgage, we did all these things. And I remember sitting down with my mortgage broker and saying, I want you to run the numbers on this was back in 20, it was before everything went crazy with housing prices and everything. But I said, I want you to run the numbers on what's the biggest, what's the biggest mortgage you could give us right now? Not because we wanted to do it. Mm. I was just curious. Cause I'm like, here I am a financial yeah. planner. I'm like, when mm. people are having these conversations, how big could they go? And my wife and I are making, we weren't making stellar money. Like we were making pretty good money, but like, they're like, yeah, like, you know, she's like, I haven't really hit the max yet, but like, we could totally get you into a house where your mortgage payment is $5,000 a month. And I was like, and back then, like in 2016, like that was completely unheard of where we live, like just off the charts, unheard of. And I just, my eyes bugged out of my head. I'm like, I cannot imagine an extra five grand coming out of my bank account every month, but you could technically sell me that mortgage and I could technically Mm -hmm. qualify for it. And she's like, yeah, you could qualify for this. And I was like, oh my gosh. So anyways, that was a real eye opener for me of like what I would be allowed to do if, if I needed to. And like quick caveat is like, I get right now, like prices have gone nuts. Like I meet with people, I have clients in Toronto who are like, well, like high earning professionals who in the last couple of years have been struggling to find a decent house that they can afford to live in. And I'm like, you are a doctor working at a hospital and Mm -hmm. you're struggling. Like, what does that say about everyone else who like, isn't making that kind of money? Like, you know, what kind of houses and other clients of mine who kept waiting and waiting and hoping, you know, from 2010 to 2000 to 2020 that things would actually start going down or start like you know leveling out a bit so um anyways this i i brought up a number and the only reason i'm saying all this is because at the time in 2015 these numbers were astronomical and like didn't make any sense um but it's all to point to um you know looking at the real life impact of these changes in rates and what it actually means, um, rather than just sort of like kind of guessing or wondering, like you said, keep your eye on it. Like, don't let it get away from you. Definitely. And you, like we were saying that, that, that pre-approval. So I did mortgage lending for quite some time and we do the GDS TDSR calculations yeah. and those, like when we got our home, we moved here in 2011 from Nova Scotia. So the Ontario market was just positively petrifying it still is (laughs) so uh we got our home we got a pre-approval for so much money that we but they don't you know what they're not taking into consideration when they're looking at the debt service and stuff is like they're not looking at um oh we had daycare costs yeah that's a massive job or what if you have like a gym membership that comes out that's you know quite a bit or um, anything else that you're paying in large amounts, such daycare is really the big hit. Um, mm-hmm. And so we didn't, 
it, same thing. I thought I did my own calculation of my life that I like to live. And this is the house we can. (laughs) (laughs) And I do speak to a lot of clients about that. If they're interested in buying a house, I'm like, I am happy to do an affordability calculation based on your lifestyle. If you don't want, if you're really worried about being house poor, let's talk about this. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's a whole different that. Yeah, those ratios that they make you use in 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 theory to help people end up in a mortgage that's going to work for them is very different than actually looking at someone's reality for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so much uh, for joining me. Um, I got a lot of insight into. I don't. I don't feel so bad about the type of budgeting I do now. I appreciate that. The reverse. What I call the reverse budgeting. <laughs> I've always kind of wondered, like, should I be doing more of? But yeah, I got that, and I also see definitely like where you fit in with helping people take an actual look at their, you know, shouldering some of that work that some people aren't gonna do of like looking at the history and like you, you taking that on for them, putting it all together, and like having people look at a realistic snapshot. And then working with that, I think, is super, super valuable. Simplify, Um, simplify. And simplifying. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the best ways that people can connect to you uh, to learn more about what you do? Uh, My email or my website, Mm -hmm. sunny at alacartfinancial.ca or uh, alacartfinancial.ca website. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I make sure everyone got that. So the best way to connect with Sunny, if you want to learn more about uh, the work that she does around cash flow analysis and financial planning, is uh, www.alacartfinancial.ca or Sunny at alacartfinancial.ca. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks. Thank you so much for having joined me on this episode of a Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to do so. It really warms my heart to see the numbers of people listening to each episode go up, and it's just a lot of fun. Be sure to check back through past episodes to find insight on everything from more efficient charting practices to better sleep for physicians and much more. If you'd like to make sure you're leveraging your corporation effectively for taxes, retirement, legacy, and other financial matters important to physicians, please head on over to galenhelpsdocs.com to check out the work that we do with fee-based planning. Our fee-based plans are powerful, customized to you, and there's no requirement to buy products from us and no hidden commissions. You get clear, unbiased recommendations based on our expertise, helping hundreds of incorporated Canadians just like you create their ideal financial life and future. Again, it's galenhelpstocks.com. Click on the book a call button at the top for a quick and free conversation to find out whether fee-based planning makes sense for you. Thanks so much for joining me. Take care and see you at the next episode.